0: So point one of church culture and kingdom culture, which is where we're going to start and launch from this morning, says that church culture is a one-man ministry. Kingdom culture is a five-fold ministry. How many of you have ever heard of the fivefold ministry? Raise your hand. The fivefold ministry is listed in Ephesians 4:11, which we will get to either today or some other time, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 12. Before I demolish and completely dismantle the one man ministry, I want to lay a foundation for what the fivefold ministry is, who they are and what they do. This is very important for us to understand that God has a design and a plan to bring his church into mat- Maturity. And his plan, God's insurance plan to make sure that the body of Christ becomes all that she was meant to be is the fivefold ministry. Unfortunately, because of insecurity and pride and jealousy and competition, many people are a law or an island of revelation unto themselves. They have a gift, they have a call, they have an anointing from the Lord, but they're selfish and they don't know how to share. Not as many amens. Do we need to do the wave again? Okay, so what you're looking at here is 1 Corinthians 12, and it's illustrated for you. So we're going to turn there. We're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to begin to read the text, and we're going to allow the Word of God to speak for itself. We're not going to read into it something that we want to see. That's Jesus. We're going to exegete and draw out from the Word of God. Hey, this is what the Scripture says. Does that sound good to you? Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Read with me. I read from the NASB. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware. Alright, hold on. It doesn't say gifts it says now concerning spiritual we could say spiritual things it's not just the gifts it's the realm of the spirit now concerning spiritual things i don't want you to be unaware the word for being unaware is agnoin makes you think agnostic right if you're agnostic, you don't know, you're you're ignorant, you're completely unaware, you're unacquainted with, you have no discernment or no understanding. So this is Paul the Apostle under the anointing of the Holy Spirit writing to the church in Corinth and he's pleading with them, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual things. See, the problem in the church is that we are ignorant of spiritual things. I have a cry in my heart for the body of Christ, and it's this. Make the church spiritual again. We need spiritual gatherings accomplishing spiritual business. Unfortunately, the church has become political, social, intellectual, but our destiny and our calling and our identity is spiritual. You can't think your way into the kingdom of God. So much of the kingdom is just release and receive. But the achiever and the orphan that doesn't know the Father inside of us wants to earn something from God. So we learn to release and we learn to receive. We're not to be ignorant. We're not to be agnostic of spiritual things so over the next few months and years we're going to get a serious spiritual education about what the word of God says concerning his church because that's how you build and create and sustain a kingdom culture I want to put a cry in your heart this morning that says show it to me in the word of God We're not free to make stuff up. We're not free to do things how we think they should be done. God has wisdom and a pattern that's revealed in the scriptures. And I believe that when you build according to the pattern, the presence and the power of God manifests. So the burden upon my heart is that we see so little presence and so little power. Our meetings are so anemic, so impotent because we've strayed from the pattern. And in these last days, God is restoring the pattern of the New Testament church to the body of Christ. And I'm telling you something, He's restoring the fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to the church of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the church has kicked, namely, the apostles and prophets out of the church. Most of your gatherings, most of your church structures, it's pastor so-and-so. Everyone's pastor, pastor, oh, they're they're a shepherd. No, many people are mistitled and misrecognized, and it creates confusion in the body of Christ. You have people that are called and looked at and burdened with pastoral needs, but that's not the grace of God upon their life. So the kingdom gets kinked up and broken up and disjointed and the church becomes dysfunctional rather than healthy because we have people carrying loads that God has not graced them to carry. Are you with me? So let's not be ignorant on our journey in spiritual things. Let's embrace the truth. And I want to put a cry in your heart. Show it to me in the Word. We're having a Bible revival in this house. Well, we want revival. I'm like, We need a Bible revival badly. Yeah. Because we like experience, but we can't explain it. And then we're not able to replicate our experience of the Spirit because we don't know the Word. Alright, so y'all don't want to be ignorant? Remember that game at Cracker Barrel with the toothpicks where you, if you left four, you were an Ignoramus. That one still hurts. I think I need to go back to counseling. All right, verse 2. I'm still an ignoramus. Praise the Lord. Lord, if you can use me, you can use a donkey. No, I didn't say that wrong. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb idols however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the emphasis here is on dumb idols. Dumb idols in contrast to Jesus being Lord and the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit speaks today? God didn't write the Bible and then lose His voice. He didn't finish Revelation through John and swallow a bug and He can't speak anymore. The Holy Spirit actually lives inside of you to bear witness to Christ, to tell you that you're a child and you belong to the Father, and to be the advocate for the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is your destiny to hear the voice of God for yourself. So as we journey into spiritual things, if you can say Jesus is Lord, you say it by the Holy Spirit, that should give you confidence in your salvation, in your position with God. Amen. Jesus is Lord if you say it by the Holy Spirit and you mean it, then you know Him. Verse 4. Now, this is where it gets fun. Now there are varieties of gifts. Would you say Varieties. God likes variety. Imagine that. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Anybody that tells you the Trinity is not in the Bible is an ignorant fool. Did we just read about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? There's one God manifested in three persons... It's three who's, one what. The Lord our God, hero O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. He's one in His essence and nature. There's no contradiction. There's no competition between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's important to note that when it comes to the activation of the things of the Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are actively involved in this process. So look here. You have the Father, you have Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit, and they all have a role that they're playing in bringing the gifts and the ministries and affecting and energizing these things in the body. All three of them are involved. And when all three of them are involved, you know that it's something that is sincerely on the heart of God. So the Father is invested in this. The Son is invested in this. The Spirit is invested in this. If all three persons of the Godhead are invested in this, don't you want to buy in? Amen. I do. Amen. So there are varieties of gifts. These are. This is a list... I didn't make this up if you've heard me preach I don't reinvent the wheel we just grab the text and we wrestle with it so these nine gifts of the spirit are listed later in the passage you can read them for yourself there are more gifts listed in Romans 12 6 through 8 you can write that down you can come up here and take a picture you can read it later but just for the sake of staying on target this morning there are other gifts listed in Romans 12 there's also a brief list in 1 Peter 4 10 and 11 so God has a variety of gifts that he's given to the body by the Holy Spirit And these other gifts in Romans are like teaching, serving, leading, giving. Mercy is a gift from the Holy Spirit. You meet people, they're the most merciful people. They can't pass by a homeless person without crying. They want to start a benevolent. That's the mercy gift of God that's inside of them. So we have to know one another, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And we need to begin to recognize the gifts and the graces and the ministries that are upon our lives because if we don't, we will not function properly as a house. Somebody do the wave. Come on, right here. <laughs> We gave away money and did the wave. Come on. We read that in a book on how to grow your church in America. Just, just kidding. We don't care about any of it. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is given these gifts. The word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. You can find these throughout the scriptures. You can see these in the life of Jesus. Amen. Did you know Jesus had spiritual gifts? Yes, Jesus had a word of knowledge about the woman at the well. What was it? He ain't married. You're with a man, but you're, how did he know that? You've had how many, how did he know how many husbands she had? He had a word of knowledge. So these are in operation and the Holy Spirit has given these gifts to his body. Now Jesus, it says there are varieties of gifts and the same spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the source of the gifts. Are you with me? I'm trying to clarify language here because it's going to be important to expel Confusion. The Holy Spirit is the source of the gifts. The Son, Jesus Christ, is the source of the ministries. The ministries that are given Ephesians 4:11 we'll get there probably not today. But it says, and he, being Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and he goes on to explain. But there are five ministries that Jesus has given his body, and I will define and clarify and bring distinction to each of these ministries in the coming weeks, okay? So if you're confused and you're like, just just hang with me, all right? That's why we have teaching in the church. Because we need clarity, okay? So you have the five ministries that are given. Now, each of these five ministries represent Jesus to the body. So here's what you need to know. Jesus Christ was the fullness of all five ministries. When Jesus was walking the earth, He was, Hebrews 3, 1 says, the apostle of our confession. He's our high priest. He was the prophet of whom Moses prophesied. He's the fulfillment of all apostolic and prophetic and teaching, shepherding, and evangelizing ministry. So Jesus is the model for five-fold ministry, not your best-selling class or book. It's Jesus who manifested the fullness of those five. And so anybody that claims that they're one of the five or they have that ministry, you should see the fruit of Christ in their lives. See, we have a problem in the body and it's people running rampant with no character and their family life is a disaster and their wife hates them. But if you don't call them apostle, doodad, you're insulting them and they're going to get mad at you. And I'm like, go home and fix your marriage. Because that's gospel fruit. So we value character more than anointing. I just talked with a brother in Kentucky. Kentucky. He said to me, I, I, I know you're gifted, son. <laughs> he said, I, I know you're gifted. I've seen it. you got charisma. But what I care about is your character. I said, thank you. Because character matters. Character is what qualifies us for ministry. When Paul gives the qualifications for ministry, for elders, for deacons, in Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3, does he say, he must be the class clown? He must be the most likable guy? He must be known by... No, 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 no. Must have character, must be able to handle money, must not have addictions, must have his life and his family in order. Why? Because if you have those things in order, then you're trustworthy and God can trust you to lead his people and you're not going to hurt them and you're not going to take them astray and you're not going to pervert the gospel message. Are you with me? So we have leadership failures. We have character breakdowns in the church because we have valued gifting over character. We've loved the anointing on someone's life. Man, they can really preach. Wow, they can lay hands on people and heal the sick. But there's no accountability for how they're treating their family or for the impression that they leave people with. It's amazing the exposure that's happening in the wider body of the Lord of all these preachers and pastors and famous skinny jean people that they are absolutely rotten in their character. See, the Lord is dealing with this in His body. And if you wear skinny jeans, I bless you in Jesus' name. If I wore skinny jeans, I would look like an overweight chicken somebody would want to butcher me and serve me at KFC. Although I'd say, please just hear my last dying wish and take me to (laughs) Chick-fil-A. At least let me be used in the house of the Lord. (laughs) Dip me in Chick-fil-A sauce. All right. All right, Paul, back to you. Not sure who that was. How dare you laugh in church this is a no fun zone (laughs) so the father is inspiring energizing he's bringing the gifts the ministries into effect into realization in the body of Christ so God wants the gifts and the ministries activated in the church but you gotta have character character is what really matters Character is what qualifies us for ministry. So, let's keep reading in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. So we have the varieties, and then verse 7 says, But to each one, would you say each one? one. Not each man. Hello. But to each one. Why don't some of my sisters say amen? Come on, that was for you. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. This here is in the present tense in Greek. It means that the manifestation of the Spirit is constantly being given. There's a fresh supply. It's not like God gave the ministries and the gifts and then he sat in his lazy boy recliner and he's going to take a nap on us now. No, he is actively involved in energizing and bringing to life the gifts and the ministries that he has given his body. Why? Because he wants to mature us and grow us. Because the the body of Christ is so divided because the fivefold ministry is divided. See, I I put the dysfunction of the church on the fivefold ministry because we need to repent for our sin, for our arrogance, for our pride, for our competition. Did you know that comparison is the seed of jealousy? If you want to start sinning and jealousy is a sin, we don't talk about it. You can have an altar call for porn, but you can't have an altar call for jealousy because we'd all pretend like we're not jealous and we don't compare ourselves to other people. No, we need to repent, humble ourselves and stop it. This church is almost five years old. Do you know why I have not taught this? Because of comparison and jealousy. Because I've wondered even now, are we mature enough to begin to walk in this, to grow up and to fix our eyes on Jesus and you don't worry about who, who is so... No, character in your own life, in your own walk. Do you have intimacy between you and Jesus? And we'll learn and we'll give examples and we'll bring distinctions and we'll help you clarify who and what and where and why because that's my job. That's what God has asked me to do. But don't you dare compare yourself to someone else. Don't you leave here going, "I don't have any gifts, and I'm not a part of the fivefold." And you know, stop it. Not everybody's called to ministry. Somebody say, "Amen." Amen. Church culture glorifies this thing. It's like if you get the microphone, you've arrived. I have now reached my destiny, and now we're going to compete. And now we're going to compare. And now I'm going to be insecure. And if I let you up here and you share a great word, well, you might be able to preach better than me. And some of you, I think you can. But it's like, you know what? Uh, Now, so I told you about the senior pastor that said, I don't sit on Sundays. This is my church. All that reeks of the problem within the church, and it's in the fivefold ministry. Again, there are more gifts. We're not all called to ministry. If you have a giving gift, if you're a generous person, if you're a merciful person, do you know that you didn't need a microphone to be merciful? (laughs) Actually, a lot of this is an illusion. I'm telling you, when we train people for ministry, I I try to just be the biggest dose of reality I can. You're going to get crushed. You're going to this is the most thankless. If you're not doing this for Jesus, please quit now. Save us the time and the energy and the trouble, because you've got to do this for the Lord, for His glory, not for your own gain or fame. Jesus heals 10 lepers in the scriptures. 10 people walking with leprosy. They're sick. He heals all 10, and only one comes back and says, "Thank you, Jesus." Well, Jesus didn't go, man, I'm bitter about the other nine. (laughs) You got people that are eaten up by people that leave the church and then they preach to people that aren't sitting here rather than caring for those that really want to come and be family. It's all deception, it's all jealousy, it's all pride, it's all envy, it's all the things that plague us. And God is purifying us. I believe that our Father's house has a destiny in the earth and it's to raise and train and equip fivefold ministers for the work of service. What if we began to define the success of a ministry? I heard Todd Smith say this and I loved it and my heart latched onto it. He said it's not about seeding capacity, it's about sending capacity. That's kingdom culture. Church culture is how many can you get in the door? Kingdom culture says how many can we train up, raise, and equip where you're mature and you've got character and you can begin to minister, you can begin to serve, you can be a blessing. The heart of God is that every single person in this room, that you would be the most mature, the most stable, the most humble, the most on fire person in your family, in your job, that you would have a sphere of influence wherever you go, whether you're at a hospital or a hotel or you're at a gas station you're carrying Christ with you because you have been raised and trained you've been called higher you've been rebuked and corrected out of your stuff and you've heard the true gospel that rings something like this it's not about you I wish I could show up in every church in America and say it's not about you what have we done? We've made it all about us. Even this discussion is like, well, what do I have? (laughs) It's like, me, 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 me. Oh, now I'm going to, now I'm going to, me. If you're called to the fivefold ministry, it's a divine calling. And most of the people that I've met, the warfare, the depression, the demonic attacks, Many of them, they, they, they're like, I didn't ask for this, I don't want this. But God chose and divinely called them. So this isn't something that you can wish or pray your way into. I don't want anybody walking out of here like, Lord, make me a prophet. Man. <laughs> I found the line, I'm going to stop. <laughs> Praise the Lord for self-control. You either are or you aren't. You either have that grace from God or you don't. So when we think about the fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, we would say that these people have a super abundance. They have an overabundance. They have an extra supply of grace. And because God has given them that grace, they have a responsibility to equip the saints with it. So grace isn't for you. Grace is a supernatural enablement by the power of the Spirit that God gives you, and it's for the benefit of other people. So true grace from God gets manifested in service to others. If you're a part of the five-fold ministry and the people in your life don't consider you a true and profound blessing from God, you're either in rebellion or you're not functioning how God intended you to. They ought to be saying, man, my life is spiritually enriched. I'm cared for. I'm seen. I'm known. The word of the Lord is brought to me. Correction and love and rebuke is in my life because of you and you do it with tenderness and care. So, turn to Ephesians 4. Let's venture there just for a few moments. You can read the list of the gifts of the Spirit. You can check out Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4. But there are varieties of gifts that come from the Spirit, there are a variety of ministries. There's five of them. And we're going to read that. So, let's begin in verse 7 of Ephesians 4. It reads, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So each one of us has grace that's been given. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the grace of God has been given to you. How has it been given to you? According to the measure of Christ's gift. The word there for measure means a portion or a quantity. So let's establish something if we can so there's no confusion this morning. Where am I supposed to point this thing? I don't know. Now it is. Hallelujah. That was a prophetic picture of my life before Jesus. I'm clicking the right button. You're not plugged into the power. Number one. You know, preachers can find a sermon illustration out of anything. You see someone blowing their nose a funny way, and you're like, oh, I could put that into. Go ahead and blow your nose. I'm not looking. Number one. We are all equally valuable to God with different grace and function. So this isn't the who's who. This isn't the I got it and you don't. All of those attitudes stink. They are a stench in the nostrils of God. We need to establish we are all of equal value to God. This is not a discussion of value. This is not about who's more important to Jesus. We're all important to Jesus. God loves us. I like to say, I know I'm His favorite. And you are too. We're all His favorite. We're the apple of God's eye. If you read Ephesians 1, the Father has washed us and cleansed us. He's redeemed us with His blood. He's adopted us into His family. He's made us His sons and daughters. We're beloved of the Lord. We're of infinite value to God. Please understand me, this is not about value We're not creating an all-star team. This isn't the Green Beret sign up. Hey, I think I got something on my life. Brother, tell me what it is. (laughs) Well, go see that brother in Kentucky and he'll talk to you about character. (laughs) Number one, we're all equally valuable to God, but we have different grace and function. Now, before I go on, I can't miss the moment here. This is marriage. We have a different function. We have a different role. God made us differently, but we're equally valuable to God. What we just did this morning with the girls was holy to the Lord. The pleasure of God exploded in my heart. Just seeing all the sisters up here worshiping and dancing and crying and receiving healing. We all have a different role, different function. We have a different part to play. But we have equal value to the Lord. We have bought into the lie in our culture that equality and authority cannot coexist. Let me let you swallow that one for a second. We have bought into the lie in our culture that equality and authority cannot coexist. In the kingdom of God, they coexist. In the Godhead, they exist. Is there equality in the Godhead? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are they equal? Is there authority in the Godhead? Does the Father ever say, Jesus sent me? Does he say, I've come to do Jesus' will? The Holy Spirit, they're submitted to each other, but there's authority. So if you despise authority in the home or authority in the church, it's not the church or your husband that you have a problem with, it's God. Come on. You can send me an email at nick at ourfathershouse.com. <laughs> We're equally valuable. Are you guys with me? All right, let's catch number two. God has given everyone grace in different kinds and measures. We're reading from verse seven again. To each one, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, according to the portion, according to the quantity. So quite literally when it comes to grace given there is quality and there is quantity. Even within the fivefold ministry, you have some that are called, and the grace that they have, there are some that have even a superabundance beyond that to the point where their sphere of influence is greater. I'll give you an example. You have people that are called, they're fivefold prophets, but they're localized prophets, and they're called, and they're a part of a body, and they hear the word of the Lord for the church. There are prophets that have a larger sphere, a scope of ministry. They're a national prophet. They get things for the nations. That's because of the grace of God on their lives. That's because the grace has been given to them according to the measure of Christ's gift. So this isn't a value thing. This is a grace thing. And within the realm and the discussion of grace, there are different measures and different kinds. Are you with me? Because God loves variety. He loves diversity. That's why racism is absolutely a scourge in the earth and in the church. Number three, Jesus ascended in order to fill all things with himself. You need to know that. Did you know that everything that Jesus did was purposeful and intentional? Jesus didn't do things accidentally or haphazardly. Everything He did, He was manifesting and demonstrating the Father. He was revealing the Father to us. If you want to know what God the Father is really like, what He loves, what He hates, look at Jesus. He was the image of the invisible God. He's the Word made flesh. He dwelt among us and we beheld Him, full of glory, full of grace and truth, manifesting the kingdom, showing us who our King and our God is. Are you with me? So let's keep reading in verse 8. Each one of us have been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8, now he's going to quote Psalm 68. Therefore it says, it being Psalm 68, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascends far above all the heavens. Why? What's yours say? So that he might fill all things with himself. So, why did Jesus ascend? Why did Jesus go into heaven? So, he's on earth, he finishes his ministry, he's crucified, he resurrects three days later, and then it says he appears to them in many convincing proofs. And then, when he fulfills even that, it's time to go not to heaven, to the Father, because he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and when he does, he ascends. Why does he ascend? To fill all things, and I would add, with himself. How does Jesus fill all things with himself? Through the fivefold ministry. Given to demonstrate, to manifest, to represent, to equip. The ministry of Jesus, so that the presence and the power of the ministry of Jesus is manifested through His apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And through His body. We are Christians. Christ lives in us. Christ rules us. Christ, the love of Christ compels us. It controls us. It moves us because we manifest and demonstrate Jesus. It's a good prayer to say, God, put your thoughts in my head. Put your words in my mouth. Less of me, more of you. That's how you walk in divine encounter. That's how you become a sign that makes people wonder. That's how you be, people start going, where did you come from? I'm from another planet. (laughs) And it's glorious there. I've never been there, but I've been there by faith. I can't wait to go. Nick, you were sharing your testimony. I was meeting on a plane. I was just thinking, I was just on a plane this past week. And I sat next to this one. I can't help myself, okay? When I get on a plane, something comes alive. I'm like, I can't wait. I pick the middle seat. I get to double my chances. (laughs) I was sitting next to this woman. I started encouraging her, talking to her about Jesus. And she's like, do you do this often? Like, I was like, yeah, a few times. And then I told her your story and I, just on and on. I was like, man, and then he moved to Indiana and then he repented. He gave his life to the Lord. And she's like blown. And then I'm like, and then he married my sister's in-law. And now he's my brother-in-law. And she was like, what? What? <laughs> I said, listen, you ever heard the phrase the truth is stranger than fiction? Well, in the kingdom, that's really true because God orchestrates things and He does what He does and we just get to be along for the ride and have fun. And then the humility of God is He rewards you for the work He does through you. Unbelievable. So you're going to get rewarded for the gifts for the ministry that God may have given you. Amazing. So Jesus ascends to fill all things with himself. So again, one more time. Did Jesus have a teaching ministry? Did he say to Nicodemus in John 3, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? And Nicodemus is calling him rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus had a teaching ministry. He sat down to teach on the Mount of Olives. Was he the good shepherd? So in being the good shepherd, he gives and graces shepherds to his body to care for the wounds of his people. Shepherds has, have a way of making everyone feel really important. It's beautiful. This is an amazing gift. It's, does Jesus make everyone feel dignified and important? People feel loved? That's the manifestation of Christ. Was Jesus a prophet? She said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. But he wasn't just prophet. He was the fulfillment of all prophetic ministry. That's powerful. Jesus was an apostle. Why? Because he was sent from the Father to earth to reconcile us back to God. Apostles are sent by the Lord into foreign territories and regions to call people to repentance, to get them reunited back to God. Evangelists, Luke 19.10 says, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus is the ni- leaves the 99, He goes to get the one. He pursues the lost sheep. He goes after those that don't know Him. Jesus is the fullness of the five-fold ministry, and each of the ministries are given by Christ, and they're just a small expression So you can't get an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, and a teacher in the room and go, now we got all of Jesus. You'd have to get all the apostles of all time, all the prophets for all time, all the teachers, evangelists, and shepherds, and then you would still fall short because you're not the Son of God. So we need to broaden our horizons about this. This is what makes the one-man ministry so foul. We should be making room for. We should be promoting. We should be honoring others, especially in the fivefold ministry. Are you with me this morning? So, how does he fill all things with himself? What's the next verse say? And he gave some. Would you say some? some. So, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for all. He gave each one gifts. You all have gifts, but the fivefold ministry is for some. Not most, not many, some. So the fivefold ministry, there is a, a sense of rarity to it. I don't believe everyone's called to the five-fold ministry. The text literally says he gave some. Are you with me? Again, we're going to let the text preach. We're going to let the text minister. We're going to let the text say what it says because we're not allowed to make stuff up. We're not allowed to do the hermeneutical jumping jacks and change it to what fits our ego What fits our culture. So he gave some. And they're a representation of his ministry and his heart in the earth. Are you guys with me today? So we're going to continue our discussion on Ephesians 4. I have a request. Would you take time this week, before next Sunday, and read Ephesians 4. And camp out in Ephesians 4 and dwell on the words of Ephesians 4 and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to you through the Word of God because this is going to become our wrestle. This is going to become our journey. This is going to become where we get educated and equipped because here's what happens when you're ignorant of the fivefold ministry in particular. You're not able to rightly honor and receive from them because you're ignorant. So when I listen to, let's say, a brother who's prophetic, Corey Russell is prophetic to the bones. He gets all stirred up and he's laying hands on people and you start feeling the life of God and you're like, let's go! (laughs) Because he's a prophet, because he has that influence by grace, not because he has charisma, because he has grace from God. Which, by the way, charisma comes from the word grace but it's not because he has a really nice personality. Actually, Corey's a little rough around the edges. I love him. (laughs) He's a friend, but man, (laughs) give me a hug, dude. But if if you're not able to recognize, then you're not able to receive from them. You're not able to posture your heart in honor and be blessed by the grace and the gift that they bring. So I would never show up to listen to a teacher teach without notes and a Bible, without something to write with, because they're going to school you. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes prophets, they'll take one verse and go, and they launch out into the atmosphere, and they're all over, and they well, trying to watch prophets teach is very funny. Some of them can. They have that grace from God. Some of them can't, and they should prophesy. <laughs> But if we had the security and the honesty, the body would get healthy. Because again, church culture, we go, they go, well, where do I fit in? You know who I have a lot of compassion for in the 5 ministry? Evangelists. You know how many evangelists are so frustrated because they're winning souls and they're sending them into lukewarm churches? They get so mad that they're like, man, I'm just going to start a church. And they don't have grace on their life to plant and to start a church. And they end up pastoring. And revival happens and people come in droves and they hear the gospel and they get saved. And then the next Sunday, he preaches the gospel again because that's in his bones. It's in his DNA. He can't help but pray for souls, souls, souls. There's a harvest of souls. And nobody matures and nobody grows up and they get saved over and over and over and over because they're out of their lane. The grace is there, but the function is off in the house. You ever wonder when you listen to people minister why they have that impression or why they come off that way? This is more than personality. This is grace from God. So unfortunately, much of the divide in the church of charismatic and evangelical is you have a lot of apostles and prophets who end up, they bounce like a check in the evangelical church because they're not doing anything wrong. They have a gift from God. They have a dream from the Lord. They have an encounter because of the grace on their lives and they go and they share it in a context, in a culture that doesn't make room for the five-fold ministry. And then you're labeled a heretic and you're kicked out of your denomination. Guys, I've met brothers and sisters, the pain, the agony... Uh, man, I, I, I was just encountering God and the Lord spoke this and, the, and there was confirmation and all these things. So you have a lot of apostles and prophets that end up in the Spirit-filled church and then you're left with shepherds and teachers and evangelists in the evangelical world in your Bible-preaching churches and there's no Holy Ghost and there's no fire, but by God there's a great Bible study. But we need the expression of all five because they're all Jesus. So I want to tell you by the Spirit of the Lord that the apostles and prophets of Jesus are returning to the church. God is restoring all five ministries, but we've got to learn to rightly honor and receive and identify so that we can grow up in God because that's why they were given. Are you with me this morning? I titled this Five-Fold Ministry an Introduction. That's all I'm trying to do this morning is just introduce this to you. Let you wrestle through it. Come take a picture. I'll get to some of this maybe next week if the Lord allows me. If you're with me this morning, would you stand? I think Barry preached till 1245, so you're welcome. (laughs) I love you, Barry. Father God, thank you. Lord, would you awaken us? Would you open our eyes? Would you cause us to wrestle with the word of God? Lord, I pray for those who have never even heard of the Fivefold ministry before this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, that they would understand your heart and your design to equip your church. Father, we say in this house, our Father's house, that we're not going to do it differently. We're going to do it your way. We're going to do it how you have designed. We're going to yield and surrender to your plan and your wisdom. We're going to allow you to be God of your house, to be the head of this body. Lord, we love you and we ask you together as your saints, would you restore the five-fold ministry to the church? God, I pray that you would hunt down those five-fold ministers that are hurt and broken and wounded, that you would heal them, that you would restore them, and that you would put them back up as watchmen on the wall as proclaimers of your gospel and your kingdom. Lord, would you pursue them if they're in sin, break them and lead them to repentance, that they would be humbled before you and restored and given back what the enemy has stolen. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.